Let us bow our heads. Lord, we pray that every day you send your spirit so that we may see your ways more clearly, follow thee more closely, and love thee the way we should. In the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Good morning. This morning's reading is from the book of Isaiah, the first, uh, the first chapter, the first, and then the 10th through the 20th verses. The vision of Isaiah, son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teaching of our God you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who asks this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bring off, bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath calling of convocation cannot endure the solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals, my soul hates. They have come to be a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The word of the Lord. Our New Testament lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this is the 12th chapter. We'll read verses 32 through 40. These are the words of Jesus. So listen now for the words that Christ has for the church on this Lord's Day. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. 
Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this portion of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is conducting an extended lesson on discipleship. He is teaching his people how to be faithful. And as sometimes happens with teaching, on some days you just have to get a lot in. And it feels like in today's reading, Jesus is trying to get a lot in. In just nine verses, Jesus seems to paint three very different portraits of the God we are called to follow. In one breath, God is the generous Father who takes good pleasure in giving the kingdom to his children. In the next breath, God seems to be the bridegroom, the honored central figure of the wedding feast who on a normal day would be the one to be served. And on this, his wedding day is even more deserving of attention. And then in the final verses, God is likened to a thief in the night, a potentially dangerous burglar who could break into your life at any time. And all three of these views come at us in rapid succession. God as loving father, God as deserving guest of honor, God as surprising bandit. And as different as these images seem, they combine effectively if we link them together in this way. Remember who is coming. Remember to be ready. Remember that he could come at any time. First, remember who is coming. This is a reminder of comfort and assurance. Do not be afraid, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In the end, our God wants what is best for us. As Jeremiah says, God has plans for us. They are not plans for harm. God is always making plans for our welfare to give us a future with hope. When you search for me, you will find me, God says. If you seek me with all of your heart, I will let you find me and I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you. I will bring you back home. So whenever we think about those times when God may appear at our doors to require something of us, we need to remember that the one who is coming is a loving parent who wants nothing more than to give us the world. But we also have to remember to be ready Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit, Jesus says. For me, as a former Boy Scout, it's an easy jump from these words of Jesus to the words known as the Scout motto, be prepared. That idea was coined in 1907 by the founder of Scouting, Lord Robert Baden-Powell, and not long after he came up with it, one of his friends asked that question that the motto seems to be begging, prepared For what? And his answer is perfect in its simplicity. Why, for any old thing, he replied. 
And then he would go on to explain that in his view, to be prepared means that you are always in a state of readiness in mind and body to do your duty. His quote is, you're always in a state of readiness in mind and in body to do your duty. I think that's Jesus' teaching in a nutshell. When it comes to faith, when it comes to committing ourselves truly and fully to discipleship, to be dressed for action, to have our lamps lit, that means to be in a state of readiness in mind and in body to do our duty as followers of Christ. In the Palestine of the biblical era, men would typically wear long flowing robes that were very cool and comfortable and utilitarian in most situations. But when speed or range of movement was needed, those robes tended to get in the way. And they needed to be drawn up and tucked in around the waist. For example, in the book of 1 Kings, when the prophet Elijah was busy embarrassing King Ahab and all the priests of Baal by revealing the superior power of God, Elijah had to move pretty fast to stay away from, stay ahead of them. And as the scripture says, he, quote, girded up his loins so that he could run faster. He tucked his tunic up and made it into shorts, essentially, And Jesus used this same image in his teaching of the disciples. Translated literally, Jesus says to the disciples, let your waist be dressed in readiness. And it was not a suggestion. It was an imperative. It was a command for all would-be disciples. So Jesus reminds us to remember who is coming and also reminds us to be in a state of readiness for quick action Both of these reminders come through pretty positive images. First, the image of a loving and generous father. And secondly, the beloved master on a joyful and memorable day, the day of his wedding. But the third reminder is darker. The divine visitor who comes to us can come as unexpectedly as a thief in the night. And while those who are ready for the bridegroom are discussed in positive terms, blessed are those servants who are ready and alert when the master comes. This third image is more like a warning. You better be ready, Jesus essentially says, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. In the movie Field of Dreams, a farmer in an Iowa in an Iowa cornfield builds a big baseball diamond out in that cornfield, and some of the great baseball players of history return from heaven and they come and play ball in that field. And then there were also some players who never achieved their dreams in life. They get a second chance on that field and in these games. And in one of my favorite scenes, shoeless Joe Jackson is coaching one of these young rookies, Archie Graham, as Graham faces one of the best pitchers in baseball. And the first two pitches are right at his head and they send him to the ground Jackson calls timeout and calls Graham over. The first two were high and tight, Jackson says. So where do you think the next one's going to be? Well, Graham says, either low and away or in my ear. (laughs) He's not going to want to load the bases, Jackson says, so look for low and away. But as Graham walks back out to the plate, Jackson adds, 
but watch out for in your ear. (laughs) This feels like that kind of warning from Jesus. Remember that the one who is coming loves you. Remember that you need to be prepared mentally and physically for what is about to come at you. But watch out that you don't get surprised by his coming in a bad way. So in order to be ready for the good surprise, in order to avoid the bad surprise, what do we have to do as followers followers of Christ to be ready? What does Jesus mean when he commands us to be prepared? One key aspect of preparedness in the Gospel of Luke is prayer. In the Gospels, watchfulness and readiness are very much linked with prayer, especially in the Gospel of Luke. On the night of his arrest, for example, as Jesus retreated to the Mount of Olives to await Judas's betrayal, Jesus tells the disciples to pray. He sends them off saying, pray you know, that the time of trial does not come upon you. And then Jesus withdraws a stone's throw away. He offers his own prayers. And then when Jesus gets up and comes back to the disciples, he finds them asleep. Why are you sleeping, Jesus asks. Get up. Get up and pray. In other words, the opposite of prayer in the Gospels is sleep. To be awake, to be dressed and ready is to be active in prayer. Another aspect of preparedness is purity. The covenant law in Exodus and Leviticus required that the lamps of the temple be fueled with the purest oil. And the reason for that was that so those lamps would burn steadily and also burn cleanly. Dirty oil makes for a dirty, smoky burn. And that would have been offensive in God's house. Our bodies, our lives are God's temple. So Jesus warns us to have our lamps lamps lit. And when he does, the idea is that we need to strive not only to keep them lit, but to keep them fueled with oil that is as pure and as, as righteous as we can muster. Third element of preparedness is the practice and discipline of peace. If we are active participants in struggle and strife, if our words and actions are doing more to tear down the bonds that hold us together than they are doing to build up those bonds in the body of Christ, then we are not ready to receive the Prince of Peace. The very beginning of Luke's gospel, the prophecy of Zechariah, speaks to the one who is coming and says that he will give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and that person will guide our feet in the way of peace. The angels who announce the birth of Jesus to the shepherds give a message of peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and the climactic end of Luke's gospel When the risen Jesus first appears to the disciples after after Easter, it has Jesus giving his first words to those disciples, those words being a blessing and greeting of peace. To be dressed for action in a Christian sense is to be an agent of peace. 
And last but certainly not least, a primary marker of being dressed and ready for Jesus is to have his love and his joy in us. In Luke's gospel, the story of Jesus is a story of good tidings of great joy for all people. The wedding feast of God's kingdom is a joyful celebration of God's love. God comes to us that we might share in that love and share in that joy. God wants that love and joy to be alive in us. And if we're not feeling that love and joy in our living, then I'm not sure we can say that we are truly ready to receive that love and joy when it comes knocking on our door. In all of these ways, Jesus calls us into a constant state of readiness. It requires a single-minded focus and a prioritization that is not distracted by the ways of the world. In 1961, a group of people who were frustrated with the racist injustices of Jim Crow readied themselves to confront those injustices by taking interracial bus trips down into the Deep South. Their goal was to call attention to the lack of enforcement of laws and legal rulings governing interstate travel. They would come to be known as the Freedom Riders. In the end, there would be over 430 Freedom Riders, and each and every one of them had to get ready in their own ways. They girded themselves mentally and emotionally, to receive beatings and imprisonments and to suffer all kinds of other humiliations. They readied themselves to be agents of peace in the face of violence. They worked to keep their nonviolent intentions pure in the context of anger and evil. And in this work, they had to constantly commit themselves to a strategy of love, a strategy that strangely imbued them with an abiding joy. During these trials, Congressman John Lewis would say, we had moments, moments to learn, moments to teach each other in the way of nonviolence, the way of love, and the way of peace. And through it all, they leaned on the discipline of prayer to keep themselves focused and ready. In the heat of this battle, a certain song inspired that focus and that readiness, this commitment to watchfulness and preparedness for God's work. And that song literally took shape on the road. It changed and grew as they drove. And it carried them in the midst of the struggle through some very dark and difficult places in the bus stations of the South. Those buses of people who were dressed and ready to meet the master at any time echoed with the love and joy of this music. Paul and Silas, bound in jail, had no money for their bail. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Paul and Silas thought they was lost. Dungeon shook and the chains come off. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Freedom's name is mighty sweet, and soon we're going to meet. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. I'm going to board that big greyhound, carry the love from town to town. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. Jesus says, hold on. 
Jesus says, get dressed and ready. Get your lamps lit. So let's keep our eyes on the prize. Let's remember who is coming. It is the God who loves us as his flock, who wants nothing more than to love us, who wants nothing more than to give the kingdom to us and all the good things that come with that. And let's remember to be ready, for he could come at any time. Make sure your lamps are lit. Maintain a state of readiness in mind and in body to do your duty as a follower of Christ. Don't get distracted by the negativity of the world. Trust that God is at work even when you cannot see that work unfolding because the Lord your God is coming in purity, peace, joy, and love. So be dressed for action. Be ready for all of these good things because they are coming to your door. But it also wouldn't hurt to look out for in your ear. Thanks be to our Savior, who wants us to be ready on that day when he comes. Amen.